When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. I've got another Friday podcast coming for you guys. As always, going over the biggest news stories from Raiderland and answering some of your questions. As your weekly reminder, submit your questions to me via Twitter, AdamHolder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, AdamHolder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Alright, let's get to it. I have to start things off by correcting a mishap I had from last week. When I was going over all of the coaches that were leaving, I completely forgot to mention that the Rangers defensive line coach Rod Marinelli is retiring. My bad, that's on me, and Marinelli is more than deserving of a proper send-off as he coached in the NFL for 26 seasons, breaking in with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the defensive line coach in 1996, before becoming the Detroit Lions head coach, then spending time with the Bears, Cowboys, and these last four seasons with the Raiders. On behalf of Raider Nation, best of luck to you in retirement, Coach Marinelli. Unfortunately, even more staff members departed from Las Vegas this week. Byron Storer was, was Rich Bisaccia's right-hand man the entire time Bisaccia was with the Raiders as the assistant special teams coach, and Storer will be following his mentor to Green Bay for the same position. The Raiders also let several people from their front office go this week, senior advisor to general manager Walter Juliff, scouting department employee Nolan Naraki, Director of Football Research Dave Rosano, and Assistant Director of Player Personnel Trey Scott. Juliff and Iraqi were brought in by Mike Mayock in 2019, while Rosano was a Gruden guy who had been with the Silver and Black since 2018, so it's somewhat expected that the new regimen would move on from them. However, Scott had been with the Raiders for a decade and survived several coaching and front office changes until now. Now, it wasn't all bleak in Las Vegas this week, as the organization did add several people to the building as well. The Raiders pluck a couple more of the Patriots coaches, bringing in New England's former wide receivers coach Mick Lombardi as the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Carmen Basillo. Mick's father is Mike Lombardi, who served as the Raiders' senior personnel executive from 1998 to 2007, and Mick broke into the NFL with the 49ers in 2013 and has spent time with the Jets and, of course, the Patriots ever since then. Priscilla's background has primarily been in the college ranks at the FCS level, most notably serving as Youngtown State's offensive line coach before landing a job in New England and eventually replacing Dante Scarnecchia. The Raiders also made a couple of hires on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in Rob Ryan as a senior defensive assistant and Antonio Pierce to be the linebacker's coach. Ryan is a familiar face, having served as the Raiders' defensive coordinator from 2004 to 2008. He's been coaching on and off in the NFL ever since 2000 and was most recently the inside linebackers coach for the Baltimore Ravens this past season. You might remember Pierce from his playing days as a linebacker for the New York Giants, where he was a pro bowler and Super Bowl champion. Since his playing days have been over, Pierce has coached at the high school level as the head coach of the famed Long Beach Poly before joining Herm Edwards' staff at Arizona State and becoming their defensive coordinator this past season, and the Sun Devils were one of the top defenses in the Pac-12. Pierce stepped down from ASU early this month while the school was under NCAA investigation for recruiting violation, and he dueled as the recruiting coordinator since 2018. Las Vegas also made an early addition to their roster, signing defensive back Craven LeBlanc. 
LeBlanc was an undrafted free agent out of Florida Atlantic back in 2016 and signed with the Patriots that year before spending time with the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, and Philadelphia Eagles, contributing as a reserve corner and special teamer for the Bears, Lions, and Eagles. LeBlanc also spent this past training camp with the Dolphins and was on the Texans and Patriots practice squads in 2021, but he did not see any regular season action. However, Ziegler and McDaniels must see something in the journeyman, seeing as this is the third time that they signed him. All right. Moving on to arguably the biggest news coming out of Raiderland this week, and that is all signs are pointing to Derek Carr getting a contract extension in the next month or so. This is somewhat expected as it was rumored to be possible even back when McDaniels and Ziegler were just interviewing for their jobs. Now, that rumor is gaining steam as several outlets are suggesting Carr will get an extension, and between the multiple reports, it seems like he'll be making somewhere within the $35 to $40 million per year range. However, the length of the extension is still somewhat of a mystery and a potential holdup in negotiations, as the most information we've gotten so far on that front is it will likely be a short-term deal, short-term deal. Excuse me. Who knows what that means? Maybe one, two, or even three extra years. But for what it's worth, SpotTrack gives Carr a $36.1 million per year valuation, which would be about a $16 million raise from what he's scheduled to make in 2022. And the site also has the Raiders at about $21.3 million in cap space with Carr's current contract. As of right now, that's all the news I have for you guys on the Carr contract. But as always, I'll keep you guys updated if anything else happens. Pro Football Focus released its annual Top Free Agents article, ranking the top 200 players who are expected to hit the open market, Las Vegas had five representatives making the list. Coming in at number 25 was cornerback Casey Hayward, who revived his career with the Silver and Black this past season, while backup quarterback Marcus Mariota was ranked 60th, wide receiver Zay Jones 122nd, linebacker K.J. Wright was 166th, excuse me, and wideout Deshaun Jackson rounded out the group at the 182nd spot. Of those five, Jones seems like the most likely to return to me, and while I'd like to see Hayward back, and a lot of other people would too, I get the feeling his days with the silver and black are numbered, and he might be headed to Indianapolis to work with Gus Bradley for another year. A few other notable pending free agents that weren't listed above, coincidentally all of them play the same position, Jonathan Hankins, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, and Darius Phylon. One more piece of news before we wrap up and move on to your questions. DraftKings released what I like to call their way too early Super Bowl odds and set the line for the Raiders at 50-1. to That's the lowest odds in the AFC West, as the Chiefs are plus 750, Broncos are 20 to 1, and Chargers 25 to 1. That's pretty wild considering Las Vegas was a playoff team, but their Super Bowl odds are twice as bad as the next team in the division. So, if you're feeling lucky, head to sportsbook.draftkings.com and place a wager on your Las Vegas Raiders to win it all. All right, my favorite part of the show, mailbag time. Reminder to have your questions answered on a future episode. Tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First question, who are some free agents that the Raiders, or excuse me, who are some free agents that should be on the Raiders' radar? I've touched on this a few times, gone over the wide receivers and a lot of the top guys already. Uh, well, guys like Aaron Ro- Allen Robinson and uh, Devontae Adams are obviously the prize of the class, so I'll give you guys a couple more names that I haven't said before that could be a little bit more value picks. Uh, one guy would be Christian Kirk. Wide receiver out of the, from the Cardinals, a guy that can take the top off the defense and has that speed that I think that the Raiders are going to be looking for this offseason. And the second guy, and I want to preface this by saying I'd be surprised if Jacksonville does end up letting him actually hit the open market because I think they'll want to keep a young receiver around Trevor Lawrence, obviously to help him grow as a quarterback. But it's going to be G.J. Chark out of uh, Jacksonville. If he does hit the open market, I mean, he's a guy that's tall and can run. 
Everybody loves those kind of receivers, so I think he should definitely be on the Raiders' radar. Biggest question with him is if he can stay healthy enough. That's kind of been the only, you know, the, the biggest thing at least, that's uh, kind of held him back so far in his career. A couple safeties that I think could be a, could be guys that the Raiders should be looking into uh, to add some depth at that position and maybe let Merrick play a more versatile role moving forward. Marcus Williams from the Saints. Saints are going to be cash-strapped this year. Um, I don't know how much finagling they're going to be able to do of the cap to get under the cap or at least to get to just uh, their head above water so I can see him hitting the open market. Jesse Bates is another guy that just played in the Super Bowl for the Bengals. The Bengals are kind of known for not paying their players. They're known for having a cheap owner. They've already been in extensive contract off talks with Bates already and failed to get a long-term deal done. It's so another guy that I think could hit the open market. Lincoln Tomlinson, be a guard from uh, the 49ers, had a really good year this year and a guy that I think could really bolster the Raiders' offensive line. And he wouldn't be too old. I think he's still in his 20s, I believe. Connor Williams, another offensive guard from the uh, the Cowboys. Uh, Connor Williams is a guy that I think's kind of gotten overshadowed a little bit by the other guys that are around him. Obviously, Zach Martin's there, so he's not going to get a whole lot of playing time. And there was always uh, some debate between him and uh, Connor McGovern on who should be playing in Dallas. I think he'd be another guy that could be a little bit more of a value selection and, you know, not far from a finished product, far from the, the elite of that at that position, but a guy that they can get on a relatively good deal and would probably be an upgrade or at least some competition in training camp. At the cornerback position, the two names I'll give you guys are going to be Darius Williams with the Rams. Obviously, as we know, the Rams are an uh, interesting predicament this offseason. Not a whole lot of cap space, not a whole lot of uh, top draft picks. So I think he could hit the open market. Steven Nelson. Not really sure what the uh, Eagles cap space looks like, but he's another guy, a little bit more of a value play for that cornerback position, and the Raiders are going to need to bring in some cornerbacks this year, especially if a guy like Casey Hayward ends up walking. Number two, the combine is less than two weeks away. Who are some no-name guys to watch out Watch out for? Well, the first one, I think I've talked about him on this podcast before, is going to be wide receiver from South Alabama, Jalen Tolbert. He's a guy that I think can be a good deep threat in the league, but I am interested to see what he runs and what his measurables are at the 40 because he's another guy that's a small school guy who you kind of want to see those good numbers to make sure that he can create separation and win deep against the NFL level and against NFL uh, talent. He did that at the Senior Bowl. It's just kind of a matter of reinforcing it with some good numbers and some good testing numbers. Um, Christian Watson, kind of in the same category. Christian Watson, to me, was a guy that I didn't know anything about going into the Senior Bowl. Walked away extremely impressed. I watched him the other day. Every time I watch that guy, I'm more, I fall more in love with him. Another guy I want to see, I want to make sure his testing numbers are at least up to par with the rest of the class. There's another guy I think can fly, can win deep. Measured in at six foot four at the combine, so I think he'll have a lot of good uh, physical measurements as well as the athletic traits and whatnot. So another guy that I'm really looking forward to is going to be Cam Taylor Britt. He's a cornerback and kind of I want to I'm going to take that back. I'm going to call him a defensive back. He's a guy that's a cornerback that I think might be able to play some safety at the next level. But the problem is I'm a little bit worried about what he does athletically. So, again, an event like the Combine is what I want to see from him, what I want to see the numbers from him. You know, is he going to be in the middle of the class? Is he going to be in the bottom? If he's going to be in the bottom, I'm going to feel a little bit worse about that. But, again, a guy that I think can show off some more versatility at the Combine um, and had a good week at the Senior Bowl. And then I'm going to keep going with the Senior Bowl guys because those are my guys that I've been paying a lot of attention to. I'm going to butcher this name, but I believe it's Otito Abagnia, uh, defensive tackle out of UCLA. If you heard me on tape, don't lie, during the Senior Bowl, I was raving about how good of a day one he had. 
Uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that the Senior Bowl, he measured in with 35-inch arms, which is freakishly long, um, for especially for his height, as I think he's just a little bit over six foot two. So another guy that I think can really stand out with some good numbers, and again, want to see how he can uh, how he can move and if he can raise his draft stock because he's I think like a sixth or seventh rounder right now or projected right now. Another defensive tackle is going to be Neil Farrell. He's another guy that was a Senior Bowl standout guy that I think can have some pretty or a guy that one of the things that popped off on me with his get off. So I'm interested to see what he runs in the ten yard split. And then, of course, all the other drills as well. But, yeah, if I had to pick five for you guys, five names to write down and keep in, uh, keep a log on for the combine, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver out of South Alabama, Christian Watson, wide receiver from North Dakota State, Cam Taylor Britt, defensive back out of Nebraska, Otito Obagnia, defensive tackle at UCLA, and then Neil Farrell, defensive tackle out of uh, LSU. How should the Raiders be using Merrigan Hobbs? What roles, what roles would they excel in? Well, I kind of hinted at it with Mary when I was talking about the safeties. I'd like to see the Raiders add another guy who can kind of play that center field role to see if they can expand Mary's role a little bit in uh, Patrick Graham's defense. One of the things that Mary was really good at in college is he was a versatile defender who could play some off-man coverage, play in the box a little bit. And what we saw from him this past year was just kind of that deep safety role, which he did really well in. And I think part of that had to do with him being a rookie, obviously getting thrown into the fire a little bit. They didn't want to throw too much at him. And the Raiders didn't really have another guy that could play that center field role, so they kind of had to keep him back there. So again, I'd like to see them add another safety, whether that be through the draft or free agency, so that Mary can play a little bit more of a versatile role. And that's kind of the biggest things that I would like to see from him moving forward and him growing, and especially with this new coaching staff. And uh, I've seen a few things from my guy BD Williams over on Twitter. I feel like Patrick Graham's kind of the right guy to do that and the right guy to unlock his skill set a little bit. As far as Hobbs goes... I don't know how much more they can really expand on his role. Maybe they try him at outside corner a little bit, especially if a guy like Casey Hayward ends up leaving. The problem with that is Hobbs played outside corner at Illinois, and the reason why he's such a heralded fifth-round pick and was such a surprise in this draft is he wasn't good at outside corner at Illinois. So that's where I'm kind of a little bit hesitant to see or hesitant to say they can expand his role much more. Obviously, he's still a rookie, so there's still some room for growth, and maybe, again, he can uh, end up going growing into that role. But I kind of feel like he's going to be a guy that kind of has his niche already in the slot. Obviously, he had a lot more success in the in the NFL playing more in that inside alignment than he did playing outside in college. So I kind of think he might be tapped out there. But again, we'll see what happens. I think he'll probably get some run, at least in training camp, maybe in preseason on the outside. But I, I get the feeling he's going to be one of those guys that's just better off on the inside and better off keeping him there. Where do you think Carr comes in around in regards to new contract average per year? Numbers north of $40 million per year are being thrown around, and I'm not sure how that can work while bringing in notable veteran talent via free agency, O-line wide receiver cornerback, to improve the Raiders' chances of winning. No hometown discount for Las Vegas? Well, ain't that the several million dollar question, right? <laughs> kind of the question of the week. I would... I would put him in closer to the 35 to million excuse me I would put him closer to the 35 million dollars per year uh, range that would put him tied with Russell Wilson for the fifth highest paid quarterback in the league and put Carr in the uh, two to three million ahead of uh, a few guys like Jared Koff, Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz I mean I in the my mind I hear that 35 million and I, that sounds like a lot that's a lot of the cap space but unfortunately that's just kind of the going rate for a uh, for a quarterback right now again I mean Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Carson Wentz are making about that right now. And I mean, I think we can all agree that Derek Carr is ahead of all of those guys. Um, so that's kind of the conundrum right now. You know, 
if it ends up being 40, I think he's going to be tied with guys like um, Deshaun Watson and um, Dak Prescott, which, I mean, Watson right now kind of doesn't seem like such a bad deal. But obviously a guy like Dak, I think Dak's still ahead of him, um, especially in that Josh Allen the, to Patrick Mahomes category where we're getting into the 43 and $45 million per year. I don't think he's anywhere where near that, Derek, that is. Um, so I kind of think that $35 million is the fair number. You know, unfortunately with free agency, it's not always how it works. The fair numbers typically not what happens. It usually, you know, the next highest guy, the next highest paid player is the next guy to get paid. So I have a feeling we'll probably be floating around the 37 and a half million if I can split the difference right there. I feel like if you're the Raiders, that's kind of the necessary evil at this point. If you look at this draft class and this free agency class, unless a guy's like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers become available, it's pretty weak. So. I don't know exactly what you're going to be doing or they're kind of handcuffed, I guess I should say, or the Raiders are handcuffed, I should say, in regards to Carr as far as an extension. The biggest thing for me is going to be the years. Um, I hope they can try and keep that to, to maybe a two-year extension. That way they can have an out if things do go south but and not have a lingering effect. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like the uh, the $35 million extension is inevitable and that's probably going to be that's probably going to be the low end at this point. I wouldn't expect anything less than 35 at this point. If he does take a hometown discount, more credit to him, but uh, not exactly something we see in a lot of days or nowadays in the NFL. If Carr gets his $40 million extension, who will the Raiders lose because they've used so much cap space? Well, I don't know if they'll necessarily lose anybody else um, that they're already not expected to. I think a guy like a Corey Littleton or a Carl Nassib, both of whom carry a significant cap, uh, Cap relief if they they're cut post June first, so it would be a delayed uh, delayed transaction. But I think it's probably inevitable at that point, and I think that would happen regardless if uh, Derek Carr gets his extension. Nick Wachowski would probably put in that same category too. Um, the one guy that I think they might lose that uh, could end up being a cap casualty because of Derek Carr's contract would might be a Denzel Good. You know, he does carry a, a significant number that they can walk away from with uh, no dead cap if they do cut him and he is on the wrong side of 30 and coming off an ACL injury. So I could see them making that move as a result to kind of create some more space. Uh, I think the biggest thing that they would probably lose out on is I think it would probably close the door on bringing a guy back like Casey Hayward. Again, I don't know what Casey Hayward is going to sign for, but I think he's probably going to get a decent payday. Um, Again, he's another guy where you're a little bit more worried about the years with his contract, but I think someone's going to give him some a decent amount of cash at this point coming off a pretty good year. The only other guy that I could see really being another casualty this year would be maybe a Kenyon Drake. Um, he does have that big $8 million cap hit as a running back too, so I could, again, see them maybe trying to trim some fat there and, uh, and cutting, cutting Drake, which... At the end of the day, I don't think would they be as big of a deal losing your running back too, especially at that contract. My biggest fear with, with the car extension is how it's going to affect the Raiders in the future. How is it going to affect the impact for the extensions for guys like Hunter Renfro or Max Crosby, both of whom are up for contract extensions at the end of next year also. That to me is the bigger um, impact of Carr's extension is how much cap space is going to hurt them in the future and are they going to be able to keep those two young really or young promising players that are going to be building blocks of the future of the organization if they extend car as well i like to think they can i like to think they're doing that math right now and that's what they're doing but as we've seen with the raiders that's not always the case hopefully the new regimen uh changes things up a little bit but yeah i i, I get the feeling that the uh the raiders will be have feel the impact a little bit more of a car extension next year than they will this year 
Um, I again, I've, a lot of the guys I named, except for maybe maybe Drake and maybe Denzel Good, probably would have been wouldn't have been coming back anyway. So I don't know how much it'll impact them. Um, I think it'll probably impact their ability. I think it will definitely impact their ability to sign somebody else in free agency, sign some of the top receivers that we've been talking about in the past, and Devontae Adams and, uh, and Allen Robinson. But um, I think that would probably be the biggest thing is looking at the future and not being able to sign some of these big name guys and probably having a, a less active free agency than maybe we all would have hoped uh, hope they have in the offseason. That'll do it for this week's episode. As always, follow Silver and Black Pride. Follow me on Twitter, at mholder95. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.